Hello and welcome to the ADHD Mums podcast. Today we have a great episode for those of you that are not able to be medicated, don't choose to medicate or have a medical condition perhaps, that are not able to use medication. We have got strategies for ADHD without medication. Also great for kids if your kid isn't child isn't of age or you don't choose to medicate, whatever your reasons are, that's totally up to you. No one judges you. They're all of your own decisions. But this episode is going to be about strategies to use for ADHD without medication, or even better, if you are medicated, perhaps you could incorporate these as well and have a full lifestyle change. I have brought in Jess Bevan. She is a ADHD mum community member. We've had many a chat on Facebook check her out. She's got some great videos. That's what drew me to her in the, initially was I friended her on Facebook because I liked her videos. So Jess is a mum of two. She was diagnosed with ADHD in her 20s, which is super interesting because most of the mums we get are diagnosed after kids. Jess has studied psychology, trauma, crisis intervention, domestic violence, and family support. She's worked with vulnerable mums and families for over a decade and has learned so many strategies to own my own ADHD, but then she's also began to help others. Medication hasn't been an option for Jess, so she has had to work extremely hard on strategies and techniques to meet her goals. Jess loves to teach people and find creative ways to help them learn. I'm going to add in a link for Jess on the episode notes of this if you'd like to check her out. So I thought that the timing of this was pretty crazy because I put up on the Instagram stories on Saturday that I went in because I thought, I went into a specialist on Saturday because I thought I had lipidemia, which most people don't know what that is. It's that basically swollen legs where you, it's a hereditary thing and you get quite swollen joints and legs. You get a lot of aching through your legs and your feet sometimes are affected and it's borne on by puberty, pregnancy, menopause. My mum had it and I thought, geez, I really need to get on top of this before menopause because it's definitely hormone triggered. There's stage one, two, and three, and four, and it's kind of like column cankily kite legs it starts off with and it progresses, and I decided to get on top of it. So I go down in there on Saturday, and this is more, if I'm honest, a cosmetic thing because I was thinking, geez, I saw how my mum ended up. I live in Queensland. I'm probably going to want to wear shorts <laughs> at some point. I really need to get myself into some compression leggings. And typical ADHD, I arrived at 1.30, and they said to me I'd be there for at least two and a half hours. But when I arrived, I hadn't read through anything that was going to happen to me when I got there. So I was completely oblivious. I'd already done a group group Zoom call, which I also switched off on completely because I was like, why do I need to do this? So when I arrived and they did the ultrasound, I was pretty, pretty, that's fine. They laid me down on a chair and I thought, oh, this is, this is a bit different, isn't it? For a chat, they put all this headgear on me and they started to run around with needles. And I was like, what is going on? They said to me, oh, we're doing a bubble test on your heart. Now, I had literally no clue what was happening. And they were like, oh, my God, have you consented? You should have known about this. And I said, hey, 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 this isn't your fault. This is probably my fault. I've just budgeted the time and gone, whatever you do to me is fine. Like, you got to do something, fine. Anyway, as soon as they strapped me in, which took over, it was like this whole thing to get me started and a cannula went in, which freaked me out completely. Basically, they pumped some some saline or something into my body to see how my heart would react. And when I'd seen the psychiatrist to get medication, I said to him, I had no heart issues. I just wanted to get the meds. Typical inpatient didn't do any of the ECG or anything. Typical. And I get there and he goes, 
you've actually got a really significant large hole in your heart. And I was like, oh my God, because I'm not prepared, right? I don't even know what's going on. I'm thinking I'm doing a cosmetic thing, possibly. And he said to me, you would be at risk of stroke and you need to get off your ADHD medication. So I was actually fine with the whole hole in the heart thing initially because I was like, this is just going to be a 15-minute quick op. Like I'm pretty laid back on that stuff. He was giving me tissues and I was like, I think I'm sweet. As soon as he said to me I had to come off the medication and he didn't know if I'd ever be able to go back on, I completely like switched off to anything he said moving forward and I went into complete fucking panic, depression. And like if I'm on it, not, I don't want to use, be too dramatic, but I just got completely down. Like I completely flipped out and I drove home from Brisbane crying, called my best friend and I've been a complete mess as to how my life would change. And my husband's a PT, he's very into health and fitness. He's like, look, you've just got to do some lifestyle changes. And then how bizarre, I get in on the Monday, this is only on 48 hours ago, and I have an episode with Jess Bevan on strategies without medication. So I think this is perfect. I am very, very, very excited. So welcome. So no pressure. I'm just here to change your whole life. (laughs) No pressure. But if if I don't get what I need from this episode, I will cry. (laughs) And I'm not going to air it. And I'm not going to air it. But no, the I think the lifestyle changes and plus we haven't medicated our children yet and there's so many reasons why people don't or can't medicate and plus it's so bloody expensive. I'm mm. so annoyed that I spent so much money and time to get the Vivance happening to then, to then not possibly be able to use it moving forward. Not everyone has that amount of time and money to play around to get it sorted. So can I ask personal question up front? You said that you're not looking to medicate. Would you mind sharing why those reasons would be? Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think from the start, I'm I'm not against medication, not at all. My daughter has ADHD. She's medicated for that. I've got a bit of a heart thing at the moment as well. I'm absolutely taking medication for that. I tried medication when I was first diagnosed and it was probably 13, 14 years ago now. So I know that markets changed a little bit, but I first started on a Ritalin And it was amazing. Like it blew my mind. It was like, and I'm sure so many people can relate and you've got your own analogies. But for me, it's like there's this constant rave party in my head with all the bright disco Mm. lights and it's like everything's doos, doos, doos. Someone's on magic mushrooms and there's just all this panic happening. But Mm. when I took the Ritalin, it was like everything kind of turned into laser pointers. There was probably still four or five of them and there was a bit of soft music going on in the background, but, but I could get some stuff done. I felt like it took the best parts of my brain and just channeled them down this beautiful spot. And it just was amazing. I really, really loved it. But I've had a problem over the years with keeping weight on. A lot of people tell me it's not a problem, but you'd be amazed how many people want to have a crack at your body if you're not overweight and think it's okay. (laughs) But so I've really struggled to keep weight on and obviously Ritalin made that a lot harder. So I had to make a decision then because my weight was getting really dangerously low that I couldn't take that. So we moved on to dexamphetamine and within 48 hours I had a psychotic break of sorts. Again, yeah, I started... I can't believe I'm going to say this on a podcast that people are going to hear, but I started eating my house like I was actually eating a door. I just walked – I can't wow. even remember. I remember – I can't remember what I was thinking. I remember watching it like I was watching this person eating my house going, 
dude, that's a door. What are you doing? Yeah, so I stopped taking that. And then again, I went back to the psychiatrist. And like you said, it, it got crazy expensive. I was a single mom. I was working full time. But every time I went, it was like $400 just to go again and say, hey, dude, these made me eat my house. Do you think I should stop? So it's just I gave up at that point and I probably threw in the towel fairly early. And then I just started trying to work on different things over the years. And then I got to probably finding different ways to move has really been the big one for me. I am incredibly hyperactive in my ADHD. Like I would have presented at 10 like a boy would and somehow still missed a diagnosis. (laughs) But yeah, so movement does come fairly naturally to me. I'm not good at sitting still, but I've learned a lot over the years about how I can use that. And now obviously there's lots of new medications that have come out and I hear amazing things about Vyvanse, but then I thought, well, I'm going okay these days. I've, I've still not perfect. I've still got lots of things that I need to work on, but I don't feel like the need is there as much as it was 13 years ago. Yeah, and then if you've had that experience, which would be super traumatic, and I love mm. the fact that you've got such a great ab- attitude about what has happened, but that, I mean, that would put me off. Come on, like that, I wouldn't be like, line me up and let me try something else new. I've got two kids. Like, mm. I can't often that self care and self exploration you can't do when you're a mum. Yeah. You can't afford to have two days out on a psychiatric break. Like, you can't, you, you can't do that. And it's confronting for them to see that too. Like, that, that's a, big decision and a big risk Mm. with what reward I can see why you would you would be doing that so let's talk let's talk strategies so you've decided not to medicate but I think you you know you've also experienced the medication so you've seen how it can feel what kind of things have you done do you think mainly or kind of most importantly that has been the biggest change I think for me is just finding more ways to move and making it fun because when you start to talk to people about those really crappy words like gym and exercise and blah, like I just I'm over it. you know I don't want to hear it I just put my hand la 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 I don't I don't want to do it now in saying that disclaimer I still have a gym membership I went and bought last year because in my head I was like, oh, there's this new gym and it looks amazing and it's got a rock climbing wall and they've got a creche and I'll go two days after week and my son who has autism and doesn't like new places, he'll be fine. (laughs) Newsflash, he wasn't fine and they just get my money for free. (laughs) Yes, and you sign for a year to get the discount because in the moment it made sense. Yeah, the ADHD tax. It made sense. Yes. It made sense. Yeah, yeah. I do probably get there once every three weeks, but I'm not really sure that's a consistent enough to make a difference. <laughs> but yeah, so the gym wasn't great for me, but I do, yeah, I do have a gym membership that I've written a letter to myself so that when my gym membership is due to renew, I can read the letter that says, oi, no. <laughs> and it's got some That's reasons listed there because I just can't trust future me to make decent decisions some days. So I've got to have current me tell her, let the membership go. It's okay. Use the money mm. for other things. Yeah. So, but for me, I'm a massive one about fun. And I know there's a lot of support and research and techniques around gamifying things for people with ADHD and we just love it and some more than others but for me I'm, I'm all about fun if I could go work at Google just because they have slides not elevators I would but it's too far away so for me I'm always trying to find ways to make movement fun and my kids have additional needs as well so one of the big things I find is working with my kids on some fun stuff so we'll do dance parties we found these things on YouTube called 
movement brain breaks where you're in a screen that moves like Jurassic Park and you've got to jump when a bomb comes, an asteroid comes and you've got to duck under a pterodactyl and keep running on the spot and all of those kind of things I find really, really useful. We've printed out some movement cards as well that have got different activities on them like playing soccer or 10-minute yoga or jumping on the trampoline, doing those kind of competitions. And I set the cards up for my son in the morning and he knows now he picks a card and we go do that activity. And I've, I think it's been really good for me because, of course, I absolutely have days where I go, oh, dear God, don't pick a card today. I just, I just don't want to. But getting him involved and I think getting your kids involved is a really good way to set up future you because then you don't have as much of an option to back out because your kids are just going to nag and nag and nag you because you've set up this dynamic with them and then you've just got to go, oh, fine. Once you start something, you're fine. Like you've just got to get that Mm. first actual step. And if you Mm. need your kids to do that, then I'd absolutely set up my kids to be my accountability people and they just don't even know it. (laughs) That is, Yeah, so that's a great point. So let's say when would you recommend doing exercise like do you get up in the morning to do it to get the movement out of the way so then you can focus better or how does the timing work yeah we do it in the morning so we try and incorporate the kids into it as well I do have a 14 year old so she's hit and miss whether she'll come in or not depends on on her mood for the day but I have a friend who's an OT and she swears by morning exercise and I've read a few research articles over the last couple of years about incorporating movement into morning routine for kids and kids who do that have less behavioral issues throughout the day at school and I think I've noticed that I have less behavioral issues at work (laughs) when we move around in the morning another time I'll do it at work is if I've got something that I've really got to focus on often I'm in a leadership role at work and sometimes we have these two-hour meetings that get really heavy and I've really got to be expected to sit there and be more of a grown-up than I feel like I am. So I'll try and get a five-minute even, a bit of a stretch in. The people in the office are getting fairly used to me now. I'll get up and start doing star jumps or whatever I need to do. Just so you get that burst of focus that helps from that bit of energy that you do. Gives you a bit of a dopamine hit. And there's a lot of science that talks about exercise being very close to or on par with some people's results that they get for medication. So If you can't take meds, it's a great way to do it. And if you do take meds, it's a great way to supercharge it. Yeah, okay. Okay, great. So what about exercise with parenting? Do you find that you do it together or is it more self-care if you're not with them? Or, I mean, obviously, your son didn't like the creche. But, yeah, do you find that doing it alone is more beneficial or with kids or how do you do that? I try and do a mix of both. When it's not winter because I suck at it in winter, but when it's not winter, I'll get up before the kids and we live out on property. So I will do a run up the driveway out towards my neighbor's house and I'll turn around at my neighbor's house and then come back down. So then I get that probably only five or 10 minutes, but I do a walk up and then a run back. So then by the time I get inside, I've had that little burst. And then it's probably two hours until we then start to get ready to go to like ready to leave for school. And then we'll do that other 10 minutes. And then we do that together. I think it's beneficial to try and find a way to do both so you can have one that's for you and I try and incorporate a bit of mindfulness into that when I'm outside as well which I used to just roll my eyes at but now I've learned how to do it I just think it's so valuable I can't not do it but then we do the fun stuff together and I think one of the other things with parenting is probably my son when he plays at the park and we do stuff like that and I used to just sort of sit on the sidelines and play on my phone and it was like 
I think I used to tell myself, and I've had this conversation with other mums about that's our downtime. They go and play and we can just sit and especially if you've got a kid that's full on, that you can just sit and relax and have five minutes to yourself. And I thought, well, that makes sense and that's why I'll do it. But I don't know if I'm really honest with myself, if I do actually feel any better after 10 minutes of useless scrolling on my phone. Like it feels like in the moment that that's kind of what you need, but I don't feel great afterwards. And if I think back to park trips and things like that, that I've really enjoyed, it's been those ones where I've been able to get up and sort of get involved. And then I get that added benefit of more movement. And then you get some more time with your kids. Yeah, we've just, I think we've got this idea now that doom scrolling on our phone is self-care and it's probably not. In some circumstances, sure, we need to sit and unwind. But for me, the more time I spend on my phone, the bigger that habit gets. And all of a sudden you're on it for an hour and a half and you're missing all the cues and you're missing your life. And So I've got to really watch that. Yeah, and it's also that it gets you that dopamine hit too. Mm. For me, I am hyperactive somewhat in my body. I wouldn't say as much as what you would identify with. I definitely wouldn't have presented like a typical boy at school or anything like that. Definitely hyperactive but more in my brain. But I get what you're saying because when we go to the park, I'm not really into scrolling if I'm honest, but I'm Mm. because my brain is so hyperactive, I'm – very high on my phone because I've got lists and if I feel and I know this sounds terrible right but ADHD mums will get this but sometimes going to the park just feels unproductive and just fucking useless and boring I just hate doing it (laughs) absolutely and because because I'm so hyperactive in my brain my mind is like skimming to all the stuff that I want to do should do it's difficult to be present And I was talking to a psychologist friend of mine recently and I said to her, if I don't have my phone with me, because something will jump into my brain like I haven't paid electricity, I haven't paid water. And I know once it jumps into my brain, it will be gone and it could be really important. So then I find myself focusing on rates, water, rates, water. Then I can't stop focusing on it because I've got no confidence I'll remember, which is probably true. So I write it down in my phone to try and but then I've got it in a list, then I'm in my list. And then I I would sometimes I think I get a job done and I feel good, but actually what it does is creates more dopamine that I want to do more things and I get more frustrated than I'm at the park. So I get what you're saying. Her tip was to take a notepad. So if you do have lots of thoughts, you can write them down and then be calm in your brain that they've that you can remember them for later. Or let's say you have a revelation that you should join a gym, Jess, and you need to do it right now. Possibly you don't then buy buy the actual membership on your phone. You might then write it down to think about later. But I agree with you. I think that the phone usage you think is going to help you, but it, yeah, it definitely doesn't. What about if you were like, I mean, so like if I was at the park, I just don't think that I could play with my kid because I just feel like I just have to play with him all the time. It would be like this is another place out in public now that I am now playing with my kid. Wonder what what should we do in that place? Like, I'm wondering, are we supposed to? Should we go for a walk? I don't know. Because if I'm not on my phone, I'd have to do something. Yeah, I think I feel like I was doing mode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just on the phone thing as well, I I have the same. Like, I'll still have my phone in my pocket when we're off doing whatever we're doing. And when something pops into my head, I'll just hold down the phone and say, "Hey Siri, make a note, make a reel about whatever," and then she just puts it in a note. And then some nights if my boy's not going to sleep and I'm sitting in the room with him, I'll have all my notes there and I'll compile them into 
into one, so I've got them all in a stack. Um, I think you've got to meet yourself and your kids where you're at. Like, yeah, I don't love a lot of the park. Like, the I don't like the imaginative play part. I hate that. Like, my son loves to have battles. It, you be a baddie and I'll be this and we'll have a battle and it drives me insane. I just roll my eyes and go, oh, I don't want to. I hate that. It drives me crazy. The part that I like at the park is he's a big climber. And even though I'm nearly 40, I still love to climb stuff. Like I'll happily climb trees and climb up spider webs because that's my thing. So if you don't like any of that stuff, then maybe, yeah, I would try and take your kids to something that you do like. Like maybe that's a bushwalk, maybe that's down to the beach or find something that you get a bit of a hit out of as well. And then you can do some movement with them. But if you don't like the park, don't go to the park. But I just like to climb stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I really enjoy, I've hurt my feet again. I've always got these feet and leg problems, but I love boogie boarding. So that's been holding me back, but I've actually got a bike and I put a trailer on it the other day. And so I've got my four-year-old and I can actually ride because that's movement. And when we put some music on and that then hits exercise for both of us. Yeah. It might be even some of those parks. I always try and go to the ones that are on the beach. I don't know. I'm on the Sunshine Coast and very Mm -hmm. lucky but I'll try not to just go to a park that's literally just in the middle of nowhere, suburbia. I'll try and go to one where there's some kind of place you can look at least. Yeah, some nice bushland. Something, yeah, something that's visually stimulating. Like we're really lucky here. I'm just outside of Bundaberg and we've got a beautiful beach just down the road and it's really quiet. And we'll go to that one because there's a beach, there's a skate park, there's a sitting area, and there's usually a food van that comes there as well. So we can kind of alternate. Like he can do the playground. I don't like that playground. It doesn't have any climbing things that make me happy. <laughs> but he'll scoot around on the on the skate park and there's a basketball thing there as well. So sometimes my partner and I will take a basketball down and we'll be shooting hoops. Not that we're very good shooting hoops. And he'll be doing what he's doing. So it's just it's finding what what you like and there'll be ways to move that you enjoy even if it's not going out somewhere like if you've got kids that just like being outside maybe it's gardening maybe it's if you've got a kid in soccer it's doing some soccer goals or whatever it is just something that's going to work that's not going to make you roll your eyes and go for the love of god I am not doing that I think you're meeting the needs by compromising, aren't you? You're like, okay, look, I'm definitely not playing battles out in public, pretending to be a baddie. Like that would do my head in, right? I'd be like, literally, I'll just get on my phone and die. Like I can't, I cannot do that. That would kill me. But I see what you're saying though, like climbing into trees or going for a bushwalk or there's a lot of really nice mountains. My kids are not, especially Billy, He he's like that kid that always says he's got sore legs. So you're 50 metres in and he wants to be carried. So Mm. for me, I'm not quite there with like a mountain climber, a hill climber, a bushwalk yet. But if he was a slightly different kid, my other kids would have been walking, would have walked a couple of kilometres at at that age. But he's like, maybe it's because he's the baby. He's like, oh, carry me, carry me. But yeah, meeting the need without, and even the rock pools, there's some great rock pools. And then you're kind of like looking around, it's a bit more interesting than kind of sitting in a park because the park is horrible. The park is horrible, yeah, and it was probably a crappy example because the park is horrible. The only reason we even go near the park, we've got one park that we go to. (laughs) This is going to make me sound like the most giant kid. The reason we go to this park is because they also have steam train rides and I like steam train rides. No way. That is pretty cool. I love trains. I'm I'm like a 10-year-old boy. I love trains. So so we go there and I'm the one jumping up and down saying to my son, oh, come on, can we just go on the train? <laughs> Goes, fine, we'll go on the train. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's so funny. 
using the park as an example is a great idea because where if the park isn't for you look at all the other options that we've just looked at I mean even rock climbing if you love climbing there's a couple of really great climbing centers um, around where I live you can get some pretty cheap cheap memberships you could go climbing with your kids but I think movement I agree with you is super important I would never leave my kids on a weekend without going somewhere early even if it annoys me but I would never be like 10 o'clock in the morning we're still at home because it's impossible to leave at that point it's impossible to have a shower it's impossible to get anyone to eat anything because they're just ratty and I am too because they feel cooped up so I think moving early is a really great tip if you can I agree the school day is a good day to do Mm. it yeah, definitely. And I think the other important thing to mention, like we're talking about, find the fun place that suits your personality and what you like and what your kids like. But it's really important to do that with your movement levels as well. Like you need to meet yourself where you're at. So for me, I'm I'm already a really active person. My kids are hit and miss, but for me, I'm really active. So if I don't have my kids, there's every chance I'm going to go on a hiking trip for the weekend and try and climb something that's probably much bigger than I can actually climb. Like that's that's where I'll start. But sometimes if you're at that stage where you don't really move much at all and you're in a bit of a funk and you haven't really left your house for a couple of weeks and you don't really like going out anywhere, maybe that's about just racing with your kids to the mailbox. Can you just meet yourself where you're at and do, right, we're just going to do 30 foot out to the mailbox and then we're going to come back. If you can always find a way to to move that little bit more, even if you're in a complete funk and everything's terrible and you're laying in your bed and you haven't gotten up for two days, can you wiggle your toes and lift your foot? Meet yourself where you're at and just find a way to move a tiny bit because once you can start moving a tiny bit, no matter what level of movement, you're going to get a tiny little dopamine hit and then it makes the next movement a little bit easier. Yeah, and ADHD can be very all or nothing too. So it's kind of like, oh, well, I'm not going to bother trying because I'm not going to go to the gym every day and I'm not going to walk and I don't like the bike and I don't like this. And that's very easy to then just go, well, I'm not going to try at all. Whereas what you're saying is, okay, you might not like exercise, you might not like any of those things, but where can you build it in to just do something? Because that all or nothing attitude's not really great in terms of exercise. You either get people that are going all the time and they're obsessed or they're they're at zero. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't count your wins either. So I did a, like, I'm a bit of a yoga fan. I I like yoga just because it gives me a bit of the mindfulness kind of stuff as well. And I really struggle with emotional regulation is a really big one for me. I can be, it's a really fancy way of saying I, I lose my shit a fair bit. So I just, I try and do yoga wherever I can, but Once I started this 30-day yoga challenge and, of course, typical ADHD fashion, I got in at the start and the first three days were amazing and I was the queen of the world. Look at me. I'm going to be a master yogi. Started researching yoga courses like I was going to be a yogi. And then I got to day four and something happened. Who knows what? Probably forgot. Don't know. But I, I missed day four. I remembered on day five and it was like my whole world came crashing down for a few minutes and I was like, oh, well, I'm about to start again. It was all useless and rah, rah, rah. And then I had to really push through that thought in my head that's going, if you miss day four, you now can't do day five. And then I thought, well, no, I can just do day four today. Like I'll just do it. So then I really had to push myself through that ridiculous perfectionism that says you can only do a 30-day yoga challenge if you do each day consecutively at the same time and look amazing in the beautiful pants. So once I got past that, 
I did my 30-day yoga challenge. It took me 65 days, but I did my 30-day yoga challenge. And if I'd quit on day three, then that's 30 days of yoga I wouldn't have done. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter. It took me 65 days. I did 30 days of yoga that I wouldn't have done if I decided not to do it at the start. I think that's so funny because I would have like told everyone, I would have been like, I'm doing a 30-day yoga challenge. Who's with me? And like forced all these people, right, built it up. And then they'd be like, okay, cool. So day four is here. I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah, and you just leave them all for dead and they're like, what the? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. I thought we were doing yeah, yoga. I thought it was going to be life-changing. Over it. Yeah. Over it. So what about incorporating yeah. other people? Yeah. How do you think we can, because I think if you're trying to create fun and excitement and exercise isn't necessarily your thing, how would you kind of create, I assume, a bit of ownership from friends or a community? Yeah, if you've got the opportunity to bring other people along with you, like if you've got, I live out sort of out of town and I don't really have close neighbors that so but for people who who do have that if you've got someone that you're friends with or you're close to you can go hey you know I'll meet you in the morning we'll go out for a walk or hey let's both go out to the dreaded park and maybe we'll do something together or join up with other mums and kids and go do that stuff but if you don't have people with you that's why I like to leverage my kids without them knowing it like I'll tell my kids okay on Saturday we're going to go for a bike ride and then I'll write it on the calendar that we've got on the fridge that everyone checks And then come Saturday morning, I'm going to be like, for God's sake, I don't want to go for a bike ride. But my son is not going to let me get out of that. Like he loves a bike ride and we are going for a bike ride. So I use him for that all the time. I do, I use it a bit on Facebook now. Like if I don't have many people around, I might put something on Facebook to say, hey, I'm going to go do this. But that wouldn't have worked for me before because I would have just said to my friends, I'm not doing that anymore. It only works for me now because now I'm running a business page. So I feel more accountable to followers if I say like dry July, not exercise related, but dry July, I put up a week before to say, I'm going to do dry July, never done it in my life, love a drink and was freaking out. But then because I put it on Facebook, got people to come along with me and I'm now running the page as a business, I felt so much more obligated to do it and then I did it. So yeah, just finding different ways to leverage it. I also like to find ways to set up me as an accountability partner, like future me. So I said I emailed myself about the gym membership, but sometimes I can, if you park your car further away from your house in the afternoon when you get home, then you've got no choice but to walk to it in the morning. Or you can park it further away from work and walk to work, do some things like that. I like to have a bit of a playlist as well for my cleaning tasks. So I've got, I don't like timers and time doesn't mean much to me like it would for most of the people listening to this. Time's like a magical thing that we can wield whenever we want apparently, which never seems to work. But I have a playlist of five songs and I'll put that playlist on and then I'll dance around the house while I'm cleaning up and once the five songs are done then it's that's my sign to say I'm finished. But I don't have that friction point of having to pick what song or working out when to stop moving, when I've done enough moving because the playlist ends and then I stop. So just trying to find those little tools to set yourself up to succeed. Yeah, I think so. And I think, I think you're more, yeah, hyperactive physically. For me, I think the hyperactive brain productivity is my huge problem and unmedicated, it's a massive problem for me, massive. So, but I hear what you're saying Mm -hmm. because I can't clean and do those simple tasks either. 
unless I have a podcast on because then I feel productive because I'm learning because my brain is learning at the same time. And music sometimes isn't enough because I've got such a thirst for knowledge, which is not always a good thing, but it Mm -hmm. makes the tasks more exciting. And then if I finish and I'm still wanting to listen, which often happens, I'll find more things to do because I can't sit and listen because I'm too hyperactive. But music works the same way as well. uh, yeah, yep. I've been using Headway, the app Headway, for that because sometimes I find that I love audiobooks and I love learning stuff. But if they go for too long and some books are really dry in the middle and then I zone out and I'm off creating God knows what in my head while the book's still playing. But Headway is amazing because it brings books down into like a 10, 15 minute chunk. And then I can listen to that while I clean the bathroom or I can get something done. And I'm a huge one for, I've got this list system I use at the moment. I'm actually in a financial coaching program and I learned it through there but they talk about having six things on your list every day just six things seems to be the magic number not sure why but I'll have my six things and as I cross one of those off I feel a little bit better and if I come up with another thing I need to do I'll dump that into a notebook but I've got this one book that just has six things for the day so it can't get overpopulated and most of the time I'll finish those six things. It feels pretty good and I can tick them off and go, yay, that feels amazing because I definitely do the hyperactivity in my head as well, which usually just spills out my mouth. Just hyperactive all around really. Yeah, but see what the thing is with the to-do list, right? This is where unmedicated me is such a problem. Well, medicated me is also a problem, but it's more of a problem. So let's say I do my six things because sometimes I do that too, right? Like I have a list for today and it's my today list. But what I'll do is once I finish those jobs, I'll just go and find more from the admin list, long-term list. Mm -hmm. Like I'm never satisfied and I think it might be the perfectionism in me and unmedicated I find that harder to control because I just – it's just more and more and it's like the dopamine hit of ticking it, ticking it, productivity, productivity. And, yeah, exercise makes it better because I'm more exhausted physically that I'm tired. But – Maybe paper is better because I can't then go and find more tasks to put on that. I like the paper because I've got like I've got this. Oh, I was just going to show you, but this is a podcast. I've got this book where I yeah I write my six things and then I highlight them because I get a real kick out of that highlighter. It makes me really happy. It's so ridiculous. If I can't find the color I was using, I won't cross it off. I'll throw the whole house upside down until I find that color, <laughs> so I can make it look good. But I'll also throw stuff on my list. Like I know what you're saying you just want to go do more things. And then there's things that should be on the list that don't go on the list. Like for me, that was things like drinking enough water, drinking, I aim for a litre. I know you're supposed to drink more than that, but at the moment that's my realistic goal. So to drink a litre of water every day or to have three meals or to do my yoga or to do my meditation or whatever it is that I'm trying to do at the moment that I've decided is going to change my life. But if I don't put it on the list, I don't value it as something that's productive that if I'm doing it in my head, it becomes, if you're doing that, that's a waste of your time because it's not on the productive list. So I've had to really allow myself to add it to the productive list so I can have four or five things that I'll go and do, but I might also have on the list, do a 15 minute yoga session or drink a liter of water today. So then I really have to get that done and I give myself permission to do it because it's on the productive list. It's a really good point, actually. My psychologist was saying to me to put self-care and book it in as an appointment Mm -hmm. and just so my calendar's not too, I mean, when I say it's not too empty, like I I need it packed, otherwise I I start to feel stressed because I'm just, 
it's it's a problem trait of mine. And he's like, fill your calendar up, but make appointments. Like a 20-minute walk is an appointment. You have to attend it. And having the accountability there for yourself that you are important and that exercise and movement is important for you. Otherwise, you just backburn everything. And sometimes, especially when you're hyper-focusing, you know, you don't eat, you don't drink, you don't exercise. Everything is about that thing, which may or may not last. We've all put things or hobbies or interests ahead of ourselves and other people and then gone two months down the track. That's just like not even a, wasn't even a blip on the radar of importance. It's actually kind of sad for me when I reflect back on some of that. So I like to use the list because I'm really religious with the list and it's almost bullies me into getting stuff done. So if there's something I know I'm not going to do, I don't want to do, then the night before I'll write it on the list because I know that the next me is got that perfectionism thing who wants to cross everything off the list. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I don't have a lot of understanding sometimes for when people say they put it on the list and they just don't get it done because I'm like one of those people, I won't eat, drink, Mm. take any self-care, take any phone calls, do anything but the list. But that's also really not healthy either. Like there's a there's a balance in there and I've always struggled to find balance. You get those people with ADHD and they're on the couch and like, I can't get motivated to start my list. And I was like, what do you mean? Like that is like my number one focus, but I often prioritize the list over people. So if I have a kid homesick, mm-hmm. it's so difficult for me to not worry about the list. All I'm thinking the whole time is how can I look after this child to enough degree that they might leave me alone for 45 minutes so I can at least get something off my list, which isn't really the right yeah, um, absolutely. pattern to have yep. in, your th- in your thought and it stresses me out, which is not helpful. Yeah, but that's a good thing though for you. Like is that something that you can leverage it? Because I'm the same. I like It's like you're describing me. I'm the same. So how I've been able to leverage that is write those things on the list the night before that I know I should do that I normally wouldn't. So my list today has got like from this morning is do a yoga session. I've crossed that off. My list on Saturday was spend quality time with my son. So I had to do it. (laughs) As terrible as that sounds, I had to do it. I had to do it so that I could cross it off the list. So, and every weekend I'll put something in there like that. So that play with my daughter or whatever it is, so that it's on the list. I have to do it. I feel okay about doing it, even if I'm in boss mission mode, because it's on the productivity list. So you can leverage that. Absolutely. And you know what I was just thinking is maybe if at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, my interest in the list is is kind of like done, right? Like I'm at the end of it. So I'm just (laughs) wondering then, do you then do your, you write your list at the end of the day when you're exhausted and you're not as amped up. If I write a list at the start of the day, I'm like way ramped up. If I wrote the list at the end of the day, I reckon I would put less on there and I'd be more conservative. Like I'd probably put spend time with daughter, play Uno. I would probably do that if I could put the rest of it away. I think it's my wandering finger on the to-do list that I can easily add more in. It's like this more and more thing. But if I set it up as a rule that I couldn't add more in because it's a piece of paper and I I make it more difficult to access it, like maybe have it on my laptop, I'd have to sit in my office on my laptop. Maybe that would take away some of the temptation to cut out Uno and just pop in, pay bills, research this, do that. Mm -hmm. It's a hard one. Yeah, absolutely. I've got mine. Yeah, I've got mine in a notebook so I can fit 
three lists on one page. And if, so if you open it to a double page, I've got six days worth of lists. And because I'm a bit of a, like I like things to line up. And so if I've got, if I'm on list number five and I try to add a seventh thing to it, there won't be enough space for day six list because there's not enough lines there to fill it and it also won't match the other page. So that's really important to me. I know that's ridiculous, but it's important to me and that's what stops me adding a seventh thing because it'll throw the whole thing out of whack. It won't match. It won't look the same and I won't like it. So I only put six on there and then I just leave it sitting up on my desk. What I do for the motivation, because I find if I if I do it at night, I'll put too many cruisy things on there because like you said, my care factor is way too low. But if I do it in the morning, I put too many things on there that actually physically can't achieve because I'm also working full time. So, and now that I'm trying to grow the business, I'll find if I start it in the morning, I somehow seem to think I'm not going to be at work for eight hours and I'll have enough time to do XB, you know, all of these things that physically can't do. So I do three at night and three in the next morning. So I'll put three on before I go to bed. And then when I wake up, I'll put another three. And that seems to give me a nice balance. So I get like an achievable list. That's a really good idea. That's a really good point. Okay, so that's a great strategy is to control what goes on the list because, yeah, if if we aren't medicated, controlling – and see, then I just get into anxiety and panic because I can't achieve it all. Then my husband Mm. will be like, what do you want to have for dinner? And I'll get all snappy because I'm like, go away. I need to do my list. That's so important that I've only just thought of. So, Mm. okay, so we've got exercise. We've got to-do list control, which – is great. Is there any other strategies that we need to chat about, which is you're utilizing that's not medicating? I think the biggest other one for me, and I stole this from lots of famous people, is the stuff around decision fatigue and minimizing the choices that I have to make because otherwise I just end up in an anxiety spiral. So finding ways to minimize the decisions that you have to make will reduce that analysis paralysis and any of that overwhelm and any of that stress. Just limit your choices because this world is full of choices and we don't need them all. It's too many. Yeah, I think Ange Nenny, she's an ADHD coach that I interviewed. She was talking about automating as much as you can, definitely. However, like sometimes that takes time, like direct debit. I would love to have a direct debit set up for a lot of my bills, but setting that up takes a lot of time. So, but it also really frees you once it's done. So it's kind of that, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one to navigate at the moment with the direct debits. I'm trying to pay a bill, look for a direct debit option, do it if I can online. But if it becomes about calling someone and like ringing someone and talking to a human about a bill, well, I'm like, oh no, I'm done with that. I'd rather just pay it online on credit card every time than have to do that. But some of them do have online direct debit options. If you can automate as much as possible, that stops you having to have pay bills on your list or heaven forbid having to call someone and do a phone payment. I, it's so painful. Oh yeah, gross. No, no one wants to do that. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. And I think I have days where I don't really want to do any of that stuff and it all seems a little bit too complicated. But then I have other days where I'm the queen of the world and I'm just unstoppable and they're the days I look to try and leverage those things and set up those systems like, right, how can I set up my click and collect? And like now I've got it as a every week list and a every other week list and it's a great system now but I couldn't have set that up on any given day. That had to be on a, 
a super focused day. And same with the bills, like I'm hyper fixated on finance for quite a while and it's still hanging on, thank God. But yeah, so even with budgets and things like that, trying to find a way to do that when you're feeling it, when you're in the moment, because you can't drudge yourself into that. It's too painful. Thank you so much for your time, Jess. For anyone who's enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could jump on Apple Podcasts and give me a review or Spotify, whatever platform you're on, that would really help me out. The reason it helps is because it raises the profile of the podcast and when people search ADHD, especially in Australia, an Australian podcast comes up. So I'm pushing pretty hard for reviews at the moment. If you haven't done that, I'd super appreciate it. Thank you so much and thank you so much, Jess, for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me.